Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hello, and welcome back to Invoking Witchcraft Podcast. My name is Jay Allen Cross, and I am here with... Britton Boyd, also known as Archaic Honey on the Internet. And we are very excited to be here today, bringing you a brand new episode. But first and foremost, I would like to know, Britton, how are you doing? You know, today is a low-key day. Uh, I'm feeling pretty chill. I feel grounded. I have my little rock that I keep with me. Um, when I record. So yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I've been reading a lot about coyotes. Coyotes? Yes, I have this book called Coyote America, a natural and supernatural history. And it's really fascinating about the uh, colonization of coyotes and their relationship to humans and how they they moved east. They were, you know, referred to as prairie wolves. And then also the eradication efforts that went into mm. completely eradicate coyotes, but you cannot do that because when you suppress a coyote population, they come back stronger. Oh, same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Interesting. I just, yeah, I just love the resiliency, the cleverness of mm. coyotes. And then they talked a lot about how urban coyotes tend to be more cunning and they develop culture in the way they rear their pups to be adapted to that urban setting. And so they talk a lot about coyote culture and, and all that. And it's just really fascinating. So I've been very much into this coyote trickster energy lately. That is interesting because coyotes are, are so magical and it's really easy to see why, I mean, especially kind of, in any sort of connection with witchcraft is because mm-hmm. at night listening to coyotes, there is nothing more bone chilling than really... listening to coyotes in the night. Um, but this idea of urban coyotes fascinates me because honestly, I think that's where we're heading with a lot of wildlife as you know, our cities expand, we're encroaching into more and more territory every single day. And I have a feeling that, you know, sharing urban landscape with wild animals is going to become more and more normal for Mm -hmm. us. Like, you know, back where I grew up, kind of over where you are right now, we used to have cougars and mountain lions just like in town walking down Main Street uh, during the winter when, uh, when all of the deer and stuff would come down lower towards town anyway, so they'd follow that in. Um, but we already have things like possums and raccoons and I mean, even squirrels and shit like that is all very normal for us to have, you know, digging through our trash. Mm-hmm. But I think we're going to see more and more of that. I was mm-hmm. watching a thing on big cats the other day and they were talking about some type of leopard that just like hangs out downtown in parts of Thailand or something. I can't remember exactly where it was, but I was like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> right. Just running into a big old kitty. Big old kitty. Yeah, it's it is pretty wild. And it, when you see a coyote in an urban setting, it's it's a mini wolf, mm-hmm. you know, in a way, you know, um, and it's really a, a moment that makes you pause and stop and just like gaze at them. You know, it's it's magic. 
They're so neat. And it's interesting too, that you're talking about, you know, attempts to repress them and kind of making them come back stronger. Cause that's something that we run into, especially in Oregon, um, around things like wolves. Mm-hmm. There's all this, like the wolf situation has become political. It's also become very, um, a very, you know, naturalist, like all, all kinds of stuff is involved with it. And kind of this idea of, of who or what deserves to be here is such an odd question. I feel a lot of the time. It, it truly is. And I could, re- I know we've got a podcast to tend to here, but I could just go off about wolves recently, a nearby pack in my County. Uh, the whole pack was poisoned. Ooh. And so they're, they're currently searching for the person who did this. They killed eight wolves the whole pack. And it's really just, it's just, I just don't understand how someone could eradicate such a magnificent creature. Yeah. Like absolutely. that. Well, and it's like, and I understand that they do cause problems for, you know, people who have livestock and, and all that. Mm-hmm. And I, I do have, you know, a, sympathy for that of course and and so when people are like you know we should be able to take this into our own hands it's like yes sure if you have one like you know messing with your livestock and you need right. to take care of business sure but to go out there and poison or do the thing where they hunt via helicopter and i'm like no no mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not mm-hmm. but uh yeah that's a that's an oregon idaho canada issue i think it is all the way through there but besides wolves and coyotes, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. We are, um, I am feeling the the wheel kind of shift here where we are in the Pacific Northwest. So I don't know with the space-time continuum when this episode exactly will be coming out. But this is uh, early January. I think today is the 12th. Yes, today yeah. is the 12th, January. Um, so where I live in the Northwest corner in, in Portland, um, we have... We have two springs and we have two winters. And so we're currently leaving first winter and heading into first spring. Um, when I was walking outside just now, I could feel it. It felt very different. The smell was different. The mm. the energy was different. It very much felt like spring. But I know not to get excited because it's a false start. We always have, yeah. we have first spring. And then when February hits, then we, then that's when real winter hits for us. So we have like mm-hmm. a cute little winter in like late November through December and early January. And then we have a little thaw and then just snow apocalypse happens here. So we yeah. are about to have um, that happen in February. We are gathering supplies because last year we had the ice storm that shut everything down for days. Um, no power, you know, all that stuff that happened. Um, so we are getting prepared this year. And um, once we have our second winter, then spring will actually come sometime in April. So, Right. Yes. And mm-hmm. April too is coming up, which I am going to be turning 30. Oh, it's yes. coming up very quickly. I'm feeling very 30 lately. Yeah. Um, all the things that used to be fun, like uh, good food and alcohol, all now want to hurt me. So mm-hmm. I have turned into a tea-sipping 30-year-old. Um, and uh, I'm feeling very mature. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'll be 37 in April because we're both April babies. I cannot believe um, you're going to be 37. It's wild. You I know look I'm younger getting... than I do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's weird getting close to 40, but I'm just like, see, my 30s were like my 20s. 
So I'm feeling like my 40s will be like my 30s. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just a late bloomer. Yeah, if you told me that you were instead of about to turn 40, if you told me you were about to turn 30, I would totally buy it. Maybe I'll do that. When yeah. people are like, like How you old don't are you? seem 40 in your energy either. Like, you know, just eternally youthful. You are. It's that bog witch vibe. Just bathing in the blood of all your ex-boyfriends. Oh, yes. Keeps you young. Keeps Speaking you of youthful. our ex-boyfriends, um, right. today's episode is about tools. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bad segue and brilliant segue. So what are uh, we going to talk about with tools? Not just our ex-boyfriends. Um, but it's does Right. It sounds like we're going to be talking about what we utilize in our practice, what tools we utilize. Yeah. Some of the common tools that you guys might know, some things that are common household objects that you might not have thought about, um, all kinds of stuff. So we just kind of both developed a little bit of a list of things that we both like to use. Um, And so we're just going to talk about them because tools are very helpful. And Mm -hmm. they're something that I think get overlooked a lot or downplayed a lot in this work. We've all heard things like, oh, you know, the, the magic isn't in the tools, the magic is in you, or the, the tools are completely useless without you, or kind of this, this idea that the tools do nothing for us. But the truth is, is that the tools are actually very, very helpful um, in supporting the craft and helping us get the magic that is inside of us out into the mm-hmm. air via, mm-hmm. you know, either a pair of scissors or, you know, some oils or, or whatever it is that we're using. Um, it really helps us get from point A to point B. So it's a little bit like, I don't need my car to drive to another state, but it certainly helps and beats walking. Yes, absolutely. That's a great way of looking at it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I see both of us here have chalk on the top of the list. Yes. How do you use the chalk? So um, I have an old, and maybe I've talked about this before, but I have an old beat up Ikea table. And I like to draw sigils on it. But the main thing that I have on it is um, a circle that I've drawn with colored chalk. And I use that to cast bones, but it's also a focal point for where I cast spells and where I read cards. It's just like the the centerpiece of my table. But beyond that, um, I use chalk on like rocks for warding. I know you have... And I'm not going to steal it away from you, but you've got an interesting uh, table situation as well. You know, I use it on doors. I use it to mark spaces. Uh, I have carpet, so I can't draw sigils and and the like on uh, the floor. I have like a stone out front that I have uh, put a rune on with. Actually, I didn't use chalk. I used um, another form of marking. Um, it's a... Um, it's what graffiti writers use. It's like an oil stick and it pretty much sticks on anything. So it's more of a permanent marker in a way. Like a like a grease pencil or something like, like a that. grease like pen. That. Yeah. And they come in like a tube and you can get them in a bunch of different colors like silver and gold. But they're used in like industrial stuff. But graffiti writers use them to mark trains or, you know, a trash can, whatever. So I like to use those. Yeah. That is so neat. We need to, at some point, have um, Tempest on the show because she does all the, the the sigil stuff, but she's an artist. 
first mm. and foremost. And so like a lot of her magic is done through art or art mm. pieces or kind of utilizing art concepts in it. So this idea of kind of like, you know, using art supplies or chalk or something like that for, um, for work is very much up her alley. And I really like what you were saying about the, the circle that you have on your table. And I didn't know that that was chalk. Yes, it it's really, you know, there's so much wax on the table at this point that it's sort of spread around. But I recently painted it with um, milk paint. Is that what you call it? Is it milk yeah. paint? And it's like a chalky, milky uh, paint substance. It's natural. So I painted the table and then I redrew the circle with blue chalk. I really love white and blue in my practice for some reason. It's just very soothing, cooling colors. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, I got way too much fire in me. <laughs> it's good vibes to just just chill it out a little bit with those right. colors. And color magic too is like so important. Like what we have around us as far as you know, people are like, oh well, you know, chalk is just chalk. It's like, yeah, but also it comes in so many colors. Mm-hmm. And color itself is very, very powerful when mm-hmm. you when you work with it, even if it's just, you know, chalk, something very simple right. like that. You know what? I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just thought of something like I love seeing what um, young people write on the sidewalks with chalk, because I think that, too, is somewhat of a magical act. And recently I was walking down our pedestrian path. It's a river walk and it's a paved trail. Mm -hmm. And um, someone wrote out the names of people And was like, so-and-so has lice. So-and-so is a hoe. So-and-so is a bad friend. And they wrote all these these mean things along the trail. And I was like, I am not stepping in that. Like, I Mm -hmm. dodged it. I was like, somebody's throwing curses here. Yes. (laughs) It's like, whoa. some bad energy right there. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and that makes me think, too, like, there's a lot of like that old folk magic stuff about things like writing something and then washing it away and then having that be like a magical act. So like Mm -hmm. if your, if your family was arguing, you would write something on a plate, like, you know, peace comes to this family or whatever, and then you wash it. And then that kind of sentiment or that intention goes into the dishwater to kind of affect all the other dishes as a way means of kind of reaching the rest of the family. Um, So I'm wondering if you could kind of do something similar with chalk as far as like, okay, like, you know, maybe in your driveway or something like that, writing something mm-hmm. like really beautiful, like this home is filled with love and then kind of like putting some water on it, like scrubbing your driveway with that to like, you know, bring that into your home or maybe the opposite. Maybe <laughs> you go to someone's house you don't like and chalk stuff on there. Don't, don't get arrested for vandalism because right. we don't, told get you to, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's that same idea. You're talking about, you know, people writing things in the chalk and especially what you came across that does. I would I would have avoided it as well. I would have been like, ooh, some bad energy happening. There. Right. I didn't even let my dog step in it. I was like, we are not touching this. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So for my altar table, what I have done is I... I painted the whole thing black, but I did the top, the the surface of my working table in chalkboard paint. Mm-hmm. So it's black, um, but then you can take chalk to it directly. And so that's been really nice to have because I'm very much kind of a grab a piece of chalk, 
draw a symbol, stick a candle on it, call it a day sort of a person. And, and it kind of opens that possibility up for me a lot that I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to what you're talking about, how, how you put the, the circle on your table and that kind of creates a space or a container to do work in. And I think people will be really, really surprised at what happens if you just take a piece of chalk and you draw a circle and put something inside of it, because Mm -hmm. then you have a boundary, you have a containment. And so if I'm making a charm or a ward or something, I will often draw a circle as a means of kind of concentrating the power or the energy in that area. And then I'll put it in there and then I'll do my charging, my programming and stuff, because that way not only is, is all the energy concentrated, but also then it's kind of protected from the outside as well mm-hmm. of other things. And to simple, it's drawing a circle with a piece of chalk. Um, similarly too, if you have a piece of chalk and you know, you need your house protected and you have nothing else, like open your front door draw a line across that threshold and mean it like, no, this is the boundary. This is the barrier. This is the line that you do not cross mm-hmm. um, and mean it. And you're done. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So, and we recently, those of us who follow Catholic tradition just passed um, epiphany, um, which is a major Catholic holiday in which they give you blessed chalk and you go home and you mark your doorways with a special symbol. So you take the, the year that it is, so it's 2022, and you pull it apart. So it starts with 20 and it ends with 22, but in the middle, you put plus C plus M plus B plus, and then the other one. So the whole thing is like 20 plus C plus M plus B plus 22, because it's sandwiched inside the year. Mm-hmm. And that is, it's, there's a lot of stuff that's going on with it. It's, it's a acronym for a Latin phrase that I cannot remember what exactly it is, but it's also the names of the three wise men is the C, the M and the B. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a blessing that you do every year. Uh, oh, on the that's really cool. Chalk over your doorway. Neat. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Have you ever made your own chalk? You know, I did try at one point and it did not go well, but also I think I did it wrong. Right. So did you try it with the eggshells? Yes. Yes, I've tried that too, but I feel like you need like a, a Vitamix or something yes. to like pulverize the eggshell because I just don't mm-hmm. think a mortar and pestle really gets in there very much. Well, it's, you can get it very small, but it's still too gritty. Coarse. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I've always wanted to try that making magical chalks. We should try that again at some point. Yeah. I just honestly, I just go to the craft aisle and get the crayola whatever like yeah yep. and then i at home i bless it make mm-hmm. it magical call it a day yes simple Good. yeah and plus i love again we're talking about color magic you can get chalk in all different kinds of color you know red is great for drawing protective symbols around a place and these are good too because it's not permanent so if you're renting and you don't mm-hmm. want to like paint like a protective symbol or something or marker it um, you can just do chalk and then it washes away or you can change your mind about it. Like, oh, hey, you know what? I use this sigil, but I've made a better sigil. So I'm going to just take it off and put on a different one. It's mm-hmm. non-committal and I love that. Yeah. So what else do we have here? What else do you use in your practice? 
I see that you have put down branches, twigs, and sticks. And I'm really curious about this one because I love this idea. And okay. anyone who's a witch has known the the need to collect a good stick. Right. <laughs> right. So um, I'll just share a recent thing that I did with twigs and sticks. We had a big windstorm here and I noticed that a poplar tree had fallen or uh, pieces of it, the branches had fallen into the street. So I drove my truck over and picked up this big old branch and um, I clipped off the branches of it. And then I just out of boredom and craftiness, I started carving them and scraping off the bark to get to the beautiful, um, almost silver iridescent wood underneath it. One wand something to point with and Mm -hmm. two if you break them or clip them you can make god's eye charms or you can make charms with them lately i have taken up or retaken up uh freehand embroidery really yeah and so you know you can stitch a sigil or a protection symbol like um a beautiful evil eye or something like that And then I glue or stitch the wood into it to create like a frame and I hang and I hang it. Yeah. So it's like decorative slash practical. And then you uh, look at the magical uses of the tree bark. So let's say you have um, poplar, which was used in shield making. It's a light yet strong wood. Um, or like uh, oak would be, you know, heavy, very protective or red alder also has protection and it's it's red. It's like bloody. Yeah, that's kind of how I work with twigs and sticks. But I also if I'm working with a tree spirit and I find a twig underneath the tree, I will take the twig and pocket it to have a, connect, a connection with that tree and I'll sleep with it mm. under my pillow. So those are the ways that I use twigs and sticks. It's it's simple, but it's effective. That is wonderful. I love that. Now, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Poplar and cottonwood are the same tree, right? Yes, it's in the populous families genus. Oh, so they're, they're me. at least cousins or at least in the same grouping? They're, yeah, they are. But there are various different types of cottonwoods and poplars. Oh. Um, yeah, so there's like black poplar. I believe the one we have out here is white poplar but i think we also have black poplars um but you know you know them by their heart-shaped leaves and that they they um shake really beautifully in the wind oh yeah that is so neat i remember when you showed me that you were making those god's eyes too now what i love too is that you're bringing up the idea of embroidery Mm -hmm. which in itself is extremely magical, especially mm-hmm. if you can then incorporate into the things like that, like your your sticks and your twigs and your branches and mm-hmm. um, and all of those. And then that way too, not only do you have the power of whatever you embroidered, because I mean, you know, things like string, yarn, um, all, fabric, all of this stuff, so much work goes into its creation that it's very easy to make it then magical. And so you have mm-hmm. kind of like that natural component and then, you know, whatever your focus intention was. Mm-hmm. Um, so have you worked any magic into your embroidery yet or considered I it? I, I have considered it. And what I've thought about doing is I've stitched sigils before. 
Um, mm. I actually have one on my uh, ja- on a jacket. I did up a rune with ogum staves woven into it, and it's a protection piece and also connects me to the trees that I love. And um, the way that I, I've been actually thinking is um, very lightly um, oiling the string with like a protection oil or money mm. oil it very lightly because you don't want to have your fabric like soaking wet with oil um, and then stitching with that mm. to weave yes, it in and have the intention as you kind of spend that time with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it brings me back to uh, Madame Pemita, who we adore. She has a new book coming out on um, Slavic folk magic. And one of the things that she talks about is embroidery. Um, as magic because that's a really big part of the culture and she talks about kind of the the different patterns and the different stitches that go into it and what they the different ones mean Mm -hmm. Um, and that's how they make you know protective things is by embroidering clothing that's so beautiful but also it has spiritual significance for protection and for all kinds of stuff Um, and so she talks about that in it and so I'm always fascinated by more kind of like these thready stringy sort of things And, and I know that both of us on this list have um, like string and thread, particularly red thread. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very important because not only does it go into crafting something um, that is complete, like you're talking about, you know, doing an embroidery or, or, or doing a piece of clothing, but also working with string itself um, in magic is always mm-hmm. very powerful. And there's so much lore surrounding things like, um, like not magic Mm-hmm. Um, tying knots or untying knots um, to either change the outcome of, of an event or manipulate the weather or whatever it is. But there's so much that goes on with simple string. Um, one of the things that I uh, worked with uh, in kind of my teenage years as a witch was um, my family will just get on weird kicks occasionally. And and one winter we decided we were all going to become weavers and that's uh, never happened. But um, I did get very comfortable with a drop spindle to mm. spin my own yarn. And that way I could spin intention into the yarn and then utilize that yarn for different types of magic. And it's very simple to do. Like a drop spindle is really easy to get and to learn Um, so if anyone's listening to this and you are intimidated by something like a drop spindle, don't be, it's very simple. It takes a moment to get the hang of it, but once you do it, the magical possibilities really are endless. Once you get into kind of the territory of yarn and string and fabric and all Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I love that. There's so much lore around spinning Mm -hmm. and stuff like, um, just the meditative aspect of it is, uh, I've never done it. I've been curious, but you know, I gotta be, I gotta be limited in my hobbies. I can't do everything. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I do, um, really admire those folks out there who are spinning yarn and stuff. It's really neat. Mm -hmm. Well, in any of these things, these kind of craft things, especially involving yarn, thread, string, whether it's embroidery or knitting or crochet or spinning your own yarn, these are all doorway activities because they're very kind of monotonous. They're very meditative. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the times if people are going to have either psychic events or magical events or times in which they slip into different worlds or things like that, it will be during these moments um, or or receive inspiration will also be th- through these moments. That's why we all have our best ideas in things like the shower 
or we have our psychic activity while we're just kind of doing the dishes and just our brain is just kind of wandering because mm-hmm. that's the perfect headspace for magical or psychic activity to happen. So these things that we often kind of branded historically as kind of, you know, quote unquote, women's work was was very magical, was very meditative, was very, had had so much more going on behind it yeah. than a lot of people knew. And that in itself is very witchcraft. Very. May I share a quote? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So this is from Terry Pratchett's The We Free Men. And it goes like this. A witch pays attention to everything that's going on. A witch uses her head. A witch is sure of herself. A witch always has a piece of string. A witch delights in small details. A witch sees through things and around things. A witch sees further than most. A witch sees things from the other side. A witch knows where she is and when she is. I like that. The where and when. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes (laughs) you end up straying into a different timeline. It happens. Um, That's interesting. I really love it. And a witch always has a piece of string. I just love that little detail. It's like a witch always has a piece of string. It's a great book. And it's about, um, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, Tiffany Aching or Aching is the name of this uh, little witch in this book. And it's just an adorable, adorable little story. Um, it's actually a long story, <laughs> um, but it's it's so good. I highly recommend Terry Pratchett for things witchy. He really nails it. I love it. I'll have to pick up some of his work because I love all of the quotes that I see from his work about witches. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely seems like he understands what's going on here, which is really good. Yeah, um, he gets I always it. love it when they seem to have it, when they seem to get it. So with the string, the particularly red string, I find is extremely universal across a lot of different paths of magic, across a lot of different cultures, um, whether it's like European places or whether it's places like Mexico, um, where we often use red string as a way of um, warding or protecting ourselves or protecting our children. Things like red ribbon or red string um, is often used as a, as a protection. Um, and one of the ways that we use this in, in Mexican culture, in Cuarenterismo, where we do the folk healing, Um, If we are going to do a sweep of somebody with either herbs or an egg to try and take something off of them, the hand that you use to hold whatever it is that you're using to sweep them with is is often wrapped in a red string across the palm to protect the worker um, from taking any of the bad energy that they're trying to take off of the person into themselves. Mm -hmm. So it blocks the path of whatever negativity they're scraping off the person from coming into them. Mm. Um, so that's why a lot of times, um, we'll, we'll see curanderos use that. Not all of them do, but, um, a great many do as well. Um, so that's something that, uh, we run into there is, is even in healing work, utilizing red string to protect ourselves from what it is that we are handling, um, which is important. I like that. That's really neat. So you have something on your list that I'm really curious about. Yes. Yes. Scissors. Tell me how you use them. Ooh, scissors. Okay, so scissors are also um, a really big deal in Mexican and Mexican-American folk magic. Um, And we see this in in a lot of different cultures as well, things like sharp objects, like knives or scissors being used. Um, But scissors themselves are very, very magical because there's so much that happens there. Because not only is your pair of scissors kind of like an X when Mm -hmm. you open them, which 
is twofold. On one hand, that is a that is a very blocking symbol to create an X. That is a no-go. That is a stop kind of a sign. So a lot of the times people will use scissors um, as a means of protecting themselves against bad magic. Or um, in a lot of cultures, especially in Mexico, when we talk about witches, it's not always just kind of like, you know, people like you and me who do magic, but also witches are kind of like this creature as well, like a cryptid that's sort of like flies through the night and comes in through your window and gives you bad dreams and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things that they'll do is they'll take an open pair of scissors and place them in the window as a means of preventing that. So once you have the open scissors in the window, then the witches can't come in or their spell can't come in. Um, so it, it protects the area um, to do that. But also you, when you open a pair of scissors, it also creates a crossroads right? It creates a liminal space where two things intersect, which makes it immediately magical as is. But then like, uh, like in some different types of folk magic, I think, I think in Ukrainian folk magic, they use knives. Um, But in a lot of places, anything sharp, such as like an open pair of scissors can be used to like scrape bad energy off of a person or like scrape a hex off of a person. We see this sometimes used with like chicken feet as well to kind right. of like, like scrape or, or, or scratch away um, whatever is on a person. You can mm-hmm. use the um, scissors for that. Sometimes I've seen people use machetes for that. Um, but there's like a very specific process that goes with it because mm-hmm. a lot of these tools that we use to take nasty stuff off of somebody then cannot be used again and oftentimes need to be disposed of. Otherwise, they create something that um, in Spanish, um, I, believe we call it mal aire. It, it translates to like bad air, but it, it's just kind of like a, a toxic permeation from whatever this thing is. So if you use mm-hmm. like a pair of scissors to like scrape somebody off, then the scissors have like now carry it. Right. If you just leave them in your house, it just kind of creates this kind of toxic um, situation. Mm-hmm. So you either have to like dispose of them a certain way or bury them a certain way or, or whatever that is. But, um, but yeah, so that is a lot of what scissors are used for. Um, I know that I believe they are heart and vine apothecary on Instagram um, released a book called on needles and pins, Mm -hmm. which is about puppetry magic, but they talk a lot about scissors in it. And one of the things that they do is they pass objects through the, the eye of the, of the handles on the scissors, like the little loops on on the handles, they'll pass things through there as a means of cleansing them. Oh, cool. So instead of having to like, you know, smoke them or like coat them in Florida water or whatever, they just pass them through that to cleanse them. Um, So, and I do highly recommend that book on needles and pins. It's very good. Um, But yeah, so that, that's one of an interesting thing I found in that where I was like, huh. I like that. It's Mm. such a multi-use tool. It really is. You can do so much with scissors. Like when I travel, I only bring like a Gideon Bible and some scissors and some tea lights and pretty much all you need. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple oils I throw into my little bag, my tarot cards, but that's a little go kit. A little go kit. That's just my, my traveling witchy cat. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I know that both of us here also have rocks yes. on our list. And not crystals necessarily, but like rocks, like a good old down good old rock. A rock. Can you tell me about your rock usage? 
Yeah. So being here in Eastern Oregon, there's a lot of rock hounding mm-hmm. and there's a lot of Jasper agates and chert. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll go for a walk. And though y'all can't see this, I have a snakeskin agate. I believe mm-hmm. that's what it is, but it's semi-transparent um, and has a pattern like snakeskin on it. And so, gosh, I can, for the life of me, cannot remember the name of the book that I utilized. Um, but there is a really great crystal book out there where they break down the actual makeup of rocks and what they're made of and how you can then begin to understand what the uses and the properties of the rocks are. So honestly, what I like to do, and I did this with my writing practice, um, shout out to Athalia Sebastiani for this one, was uh, I was gifted a, um, now this isn't an old down-home rock, but I was gifted a a, uh, quartz that was found in Appalachia, which it is a rock, you know, and it was just like Mm -hmm. this smooth stone. It wasn't like super... um, crystal clear it was actually quite cloudy i charged it with like focusing and clarity energy into it so whenever i would write or even when i'm podcasting i hold a rock in my hand to ground me but also to give me clarity and focus so i will charge the rock up with my bare hands and push energy into it and i'll recharge it like once every other week or as needed and i carry it with me and i'll tuck it in my pocket I did have a love affair with pink chert recently. And frankly, I don't know what they do. (laughs) I don't know what their um, correspondences are. But I just really like the rock. (laughs) (laughs) So I developed a relationship. Yeah, just a rock buddy. And, you know, um, rocks have been around for a really, really long time. So they have this like old wisdom about them. Mm-hmm. And I love mm-hmm. carrying that with me. So that's kind of how I utilize good. rocks. And um, if I just need that grounding energy, um, they're more of like a, a spirit ally for me. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily use them like in we're casting a spell. I mean, I'll use lodestones um, mm-hmm. and things like that. But that's kind of how I utilize rocks. That is so cool. And I think, yeah, just the act of having a rock either in your pocket or in your hand is so grounding simply because they're, someone once told me that rocks are the bones of the earth. Mm -hmm. And so I I very much think like I have like a very heavy, strong connection with the earth when I have a rock in my hand. Um, And so like things like if you're nervous about public speaking or, or podcasting or, you know, whatever it is, having a rock either in your pocket or in your hand, um, is really helpful just to like bring about that connection and, and kind of that weight of that energy. And then they're so versatile too, because they will pick up other energies. So things like river rocks that are so smooth also carry like that water medicine Mm -hmm. in them, um, as well as that earth, which is so beautiful. I love to use river rocks for healing work. Um, and for a lot of magical work, because they have that very special kind of duality to them. Um, and you're right, rocks are very, <laughs> rocks are very old. 
creatures. They have mm-hmm. been around for a minute and they've lived many lives or even like pebbles and things like that may have once been part of a huge cliff or mm-hmm. um, a mountain. They used to be part of something bigger and then now they've, you know, become smaller. But utilizing just simple rocks is so magical to me because not only is it very accessible, but it's very, it's not very flashy. It's very, um, it's very humble. And I really mm-hmm. like that about rocks. And someone once um, told me about a divination method that they used where they got, they collected like, um, like white or lighter colored pebbles along with like black or darker colored pebbles and mix them up into a bag together and use it as a divination system where they would do like a yes or no question and pull out one of the stones. And if it was black, then it was no. And, or if it was white, it was yes. Or they'd pull out a handful and count um, like how many of each kind there was to base their answer on to see kind of like what the tide was like in a, in a certain situation. Um, so rocks have all this wisdom. They've like, they've seen thousands and thousands of years of stuff go by. They know what's up. Mm-hmm. So when you ask rocks for advice, they tend to have pretty good advice because they've seen all this before or something like it or mm-hmm. know enough that they can form a decent opinion about it. So I really do like to work with rocks. Sometimes they can be grumpy old bastards, but that's fine. Don't, don't jostle them too much. They're a little stubborn and that's okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. Rocks can be, rocks can be good friends. They really can. You know, there is an account on Instagram called stone mad crafts and they do really cool things with just simple rocks. They um, drill or carve into them and they make these beautiful talismans. Um, I'm looking at it right now, but they make these just gorgeous um, kind of Celtic themed uh, work. And uh, it's just, it's amazing. So if you're on the Instagram machine, Check out Stone Mad Craft um, for some really beautiful rocks. I love them. That sounds so neat. I love beautiful rocks. Um, and I like to, you brought up earlier um, Althea Sebastiani, um, mm-hmm. who wrote the book that we love, the by Rest of Nail and Prick of Thorn. And in that book, too, she makes a really good um, point about utilizing rocks as wards. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you don't have to know what kind of rock it is, it doesn't have to be a crystal. But you can you can tell what it might be able to do from you just simply by looking at it. You know, is it um, is is the rock red? Then you know that's going to ward off or repel nasty energy. You can even charge it up so that the function of that ward might burn, um, like say a, a ill intent spirit that is coming um, to pay you a visit, things like that. She's like, but if the rock is maybe shiny, then maybe it could fascinate a spirit or reflect. Um, a spell back to where it came from. Maybe the rock Mm. is black and it can absorb um, whatever was sent to you. So just kind of like, just by holding a rock, looking at it, it will probably tell you what its function is already. Like, you know, most rocks can be charged to do pretty much anything, but most tools are going to be predisposed to one form of help or another, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Yes, Mm. it does. Yeah. That's what I look for when I look at rocks is uh, is like the color and the shape. Are they pointy? Are they smooth? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That kind of mm-hmm. thing. Well, I think, too, rocks are excellent at deception 
because we've all been standing in a river and found a beautiful rock that's like so many colors and it's so exciting. And then you take it out of the river and by the time it dries, it it just looks like every other rock and it's just gray right? and flat. And, mm-hmm. It's only when you get them wet. <laughs> right? I love that. Rocks yeah. have secrets and they change and they have different sides of themselves depending on where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they have so much personality, more more than a lot of people give them credit for. And, and I'm not against crystal use. I just don't think people should overlook rocks, you know? Yeah, I agree completely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we also have to really think about the extractive nature of crystals and where they're coming from. And I'm using air quotes here, ethically sourcing them, if there is any ethical sourcing of crystals left in the world, Mm -hmm. um, something to think about. Yeah, I think nowadays, a lot of shops just put ethically sourced on a lot of stuff, whether it is exactly (laughs) right. So that's, we just do our best. We sure do. So you have one here, too, that I really want to talk about, because it's not something you would usually find in a witchcraft kit, but that both you and I utilize is a rosary. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, first off, we pray with the rosary. We do Mm. our prayers. But one of the ways that I like to use a rosary is um, I open it up. You know, it's like still linked, Mm -hmm. but the circular area of it, it's kind of like the circle on my table that we we have both talked about with the circle. It's a focal point. So what I will do is I will lay it down and I have a very dear friend, Kirsten Evanson, who runs um, Stone Rose Handmade. Um, She makes just gorgeous crystal rosaries and... And like wooden rosaries as well. And um, I like to place it, open up the circle of it and place my oils in there, especially like recently I made a Holy Mother oil. So what I will do is I'll place all the Holy Mother oils within the circle and then I pray over them and I do the Hail Marys and Our Fathers and all of Mm -hmm. that and um, bless them. But I do it with other things too, you know, like um, oils and such and not just like Mm -hmm. Holy Mother oil, but... I use it as like a yeah a focal point. And then mm-hmm. also just wearing it is really powerful, I think. Um, I know there's some debate out there about whether or not you should wear your rosary out in public and things like that. But I wear mine, uh, especially when I'm wanting to feel really connected to Holy Mother. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, the rosary has become in the last year a, a strong tool for me in my practice. Absolutely. And it's one of those things that's so multifaceted because similar to like what we were talking about earlier with things like knitting and crochet and stuff like that, you know, praying the rosary is definitely a doorway activity because Mm -hmm. a lot of people think that they need to be like very super focused and pious on uh, about, you know, how they are praying the rosary. But the purpose of the rosary is the repetition to kind of create that sort of in-between state, that sort of trance state or that meditative place to find it. And, and once you kind of are able to get into that place then not only does the the act of doing the rosary seem to go by so much faster a lot of the time, um, but also it kind of opens up that doorway where we can have either inspiration or spirit contact or, you know, where we can actually hear spirit by opening ourselves in that manner. So that's such an interesting part of the rosary that is 
kind of witchy, even though if you ask mm-hmm. Catholics about it, they'd be like, no. Um, but it, it is it is very kind of inherently witchy to have that sort of trance-like state. Um, and then I love how you're talking too about utilizing it as a container or as a boundary or as a focal point, you know, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, the, the rosary is essentially a chain of prayers linked together. Mm-hmm. And that's a very powerful thing. And not only that, but the the rosary itself is, even though it is technically kind of a Catholic tradition, it's very subversive because it's very like, that's very much where a lot of kind of the, the goddessy stuff is yes. hidden in the Catholic world. And if you guys haven't read Way of the Rose yet, I highly recommend it. Um, it's at least very interesting to think about a lot of the stuff that they bring up mm-hmm. as far as the rosary is concerned. So yeah, it's a very unique practice that I think is is more universal than people realize. A lot of times people just look at a rosary and are like, ew, that's Catholic. I hate it. Jesus, blah, blah, blah. blah. And it's like, right. it's like, there's so much more to it than that though. Like so much more. There really more. is. Yeah. Yeah. Big shout out to Way of the Rose because they're the ones uh, and my friend, Kirsten, who turned me on to um, praying the rosary. And Way of the Rose takes a really non-dogmatic approach to it. It's it's very much like you you say your prayers, you mm-hmm. you pray your heart's desire, um, which I really appreciate that perspective. Yeah, I love it because when I first I read, I'm like, wait, why is there a book on the rosary written by some Buddhists? And then yep. and then as you're going through it, you're like, actually, this makes a lot of sense, and I enjoy this perspective a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and it's not really far from Catholic canon. It's just a more open minded understanding of it um, that I really like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I am very curious about the use of Vicks Vapor Rub. <gasps> Vicks Vapor Rub. Oh, I love it. Um, I love Vicks. Um, so in my, if you guys have read my my first book American Brujeria I have a whole section in it that's kind of dedicated to my great grandma Lena who was insane um she uh there's all kinds of stories about her like um apparently one of the things that she liked to do was if someone was on her property or like on her lawn um she was known for running out of the house screaming in spanish and brandishing a carving knife mm. to get them off of her lawn because mm-hmm. naturally as you do um there was also a story about how two of my uncles got lice like head lice and so instead of like you know doing the shampoo and the scraping she just took like a can of raid like insect killer and just sprayed their heads with it oh my gosh <laughs> yeah so gramalina God bless and God rest. Um, But one of the things that she was most known for was her use of Vicks. And anyone who grew up Mexican or there there are several kind of cultures that really lean into the use of Vicks. Um, So you use it for everything, right? Your your head hurts, you put it on your head. Your stomach hurts, you put it on your stomach. Um, She, if, um, if people around her were having trouble sleeping, she would put it on their eyelids which I do not recommend because that's a lot of like menthol near the eyeballs. That's not where that's supposed to go. Um, And a lot of people who are, especially like in hardcore Mexican families, people remember their grandparents or great-grandparents straight up eating Vicks um, or like dissolving spoonfuls into their morning coffee. (gasps) Um, 
in order to like get the benefits. No, you are definitely not supposed to eat things. Right. But um, but you know, people people are hardcore. Um, and I, I kind of respect that. So in in Mexican culture, VIX is such a staple. And not only is it very powerful healing, um, and there's a lot of kind of lore with healing and VIX. And and if you look at the old old advertisements for VIX, it's it's advertised kind of like Florida water. Like it's mm-hmm. kind of this mystical thing that's there to like help because what it's made out of is this kind of like this camphor, eucalyptus, that which are very powerful cleansing, clearing plants and these vibrations of of not only healing, but also like expelling um like bad nasty energy because they're so high vibe. Um, and so that makes VIX kind of inherently magical as is, just based on how it's made and what mm-hmm. and what goes into it. Um, so so that kind of makes sense right off the bat. But then we have sort of lore in um in like Mexican culture, you know, when you put it on, you know, the sana sana colita terana, you know, like you, there's like the magic rhyme that you say, which makes absolutely no sense in English, which is why it has to be said in Spanish. Right. And then that brings the healing power, you know, to um to the work. Um in my book though, I have a whole section on spells using Vicks Vapor Rub beyond that, building this idea of like, okay, so we already know this is mystical. We already know it has these properties to it. Um, these these plant spirits that are in it, this camphor and eucalyptus. Um, and we can utilize that for a lot of different things. So I have spells like um, to dress candles with Vicks Vapor Rub for healing and clearing mm. and road opening and things like that. Now you have to be very careful because Vicks is flammable. So you don't want to use a whole lot and then just light up your entire candle um you want to use just a little bit and a little bit goes a long way because it's very strong it's very powerful um so use just a little bit on it and then that's something that you can use for your candles is because it already comes with this very opening cleansing clearing kind of energy to it as well so um you can utilize it for all kinds of stuff for sure I love that. That's really cool. I know I know of the use of Vicks Vapor Rub, but I didn't know exactly how. Yeah. yeah. It's a bunch of stuff. And that was one of the first things I would ask people when I was researching my book, which in the show notes, there should be a link to purchase it. So if you have not purchased mm-hmm. my book, feel free to. But one of the first things I would ask people, because I'd sit down with folks and I'd be like, hey, so I'm writing a book on you, Mexican-American folk magic. And they'd be like, oh, I don't, I don't do that at all. I don't. I don't do that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, like, that's cool. Hear me out. Did your family ever use Vicks Vapor Rub? And people would be like, oh yeah, totally. My mom would um, get it out. And she'd like, one of the people told me, it was like, yeah, like, you know, my mom would get the Vicks and she'd mix it with salt and some of her own saliva. And then she'd say this thing while she stirred it up and then put it on me. And then they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's magic. And I'm yep. like, yep, <laughs> there it is. And there they're like, it is. Oh, I didn't even know. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's very much ingrained there. Yeah, I love things like that where, where where folks are like, no, 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 I don't do magic. And then like you uncover those little bits where it's like, no, nah, y'all been doing magic. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. I love that. So how about you wrap us up here? Because I want to know about perfume because I know that you have been working on this for a minute and I love the idea of perfume in magic. Yeah, so it's it's really simple, you know, there's the olfactory response that we have with scent. It brings up memory of place, 
like there was this perfume that my mother wore when we lived overseas. And every time I get a whiff of it and, and as an adult, I'm like, oh, like that time and that place and those feelings. So when we utilize perfume in our magical practice, it can really help switch our brains into ritual mode or meditative mode and kind of triggers like this is the work that I am doing. So like whenever I work with um, money oil products, they all have a quite similar scent to them. It's often cinnamon or chamomile um, and like allspice. And whenever I smell that, I'm like my brain switches into that, like getting that money mode. You know what I mean? Mm. So and chamomile it, just smells like gold. It it does. It smells like golden apples. It's like just so good. I love it so much. And the thing is, too, is like when you mix chamomile with uh, allspice and cinnamon and you go very light on the cinnamon, it actually smells like money. Oh, I've noticed it smells like money. And then the chamomile, if you use blue chamomile, turns your oil green. Really? Yep. Yes. Well, hell. Yep. There you go. There's a little magical tip. <laughs> um, so, you know, I make tarot oils and I make like blessing oil and holy mother oil and attraction oil. So when we utilize these, like I have said, is it really triggers our brain into that specific space. So I like to use them uh, with repetition and regularity because it then switches the brain focus into like, this is the work that I'm doing. So when I pray the rosary, I take a very, very light dab of holy mother oil, rub it in my hands, rub it on my neck, and I pray the rosary. And it just helps facilitate that space. And um, I, I just really love perfume. It's, it's really wonderful tool. That is so neat. Mm -hmm. It's so neat. And you are going to continue making the perfume as mm -hmm. we go forth in the life. Oh yeah. Perfume is actually becoming uh, quite the focus for me right now. I'm making magical and non-magical perfumes. I'm doing like themed perfume around um often a lot of it is based on my locale so i have like um high des and um just atmospheric stuff like uh, one perfume is called the home is a temple um which is a very like warm incensey citrus home fragrance uh, for winter just to brighten and lift the spirits so mm -hmm. i mean they can be used magically and used to kind of like shift the brain space as well. And I do know folks are using these oils in their magical practice. I've had folks share about that. Um, but they're primarily just a, um, I mean, they are actually, the more I talk about it, I realize that they are very magical. Um, yeah. But I don't like, I don't pray over them before I send them out, mm -hmm. is the difference there. Mm -hmm. So they're just kind of innately magic, magic where you didn't even expect it. Right. <laughs> Yeah. All right, you guys. So don't forget to check out um, Britain's shop updates. Try and get some of that perfume going. Mm -hmm. And above all, remember. Do witchcraft. Do it. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or... If you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.